Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. If I have a title and actually do, it would be Meology versus Kingdomology. And when you look at the word ology, it means the knowledge of or the understanding of something. And uh, one of the things that you should know about this particular house is that we have a number of values, things that we value. And one of those values, there are four of them, one of those is kingdom culture. So kingdom thinking and kingdom ideas are very, very important to this house. And when we say that, we mean that that is bringing heaven to earth, just like it says in the Lord's Prayer, that it should be on earth as it is in heaven. Another one of those things is our identity, us understanding who we are in Christ, that we are sons and daughters in Christ, and that God's kingdom is made up of priests and kings. So we rule, we live under a king, the kingdom of heaven. So we have, we live in a democracy of, set, of sorts in America. But when we become a new creation, like Ken was talking about, then we uh, switch our citizenship from the citizenship of this world to the citizenship of heaven. And that's a huge mindset shift and a huge change in the way we live our life. So we live in a culture that is me-focused, what I want, what I need, my self-care, all that sort of thing. Self-care is not a bad thing. Me doing things that I need for myself is not a bad thing. But it is, it can become an idol in our life. So this message isn't one of those feel-good type messages, although we'll get there. And I've definitely chewed on this a while, too. And we all know that we are working to perfection. Just like Wade likes to say, we have everything we need to live a godly life. He has equipped us with everything that we need to live that way. I loved our worship this morning. It was so God-focused. And I think that that's a wonderful thing because when we come together in worship... It should be about us worshiping him, not us worshiping us. Right? Right. So as you're thinking about kingdom culture and what exactly that means, I want to talk to you a little bit first about meology. I just came up with these words on my own. I don't know. You can Google it and see if it's out there. I'd say I came up with it on my own. I feel like the Holy Spirit gave it to me. But there's this theory about meology. And if you live in the world of meology versus kingdomology, do you live in the world of me or do you live in the world of the kingdom? Then one of the things that makes up a meology type person, the study of themselves, is that they are typically consumers. So that means that when they come to church or when they approach God, then it's about what can he do for me? And that becomes the main focus. That also, as you join with community, if you live in the meology world, 
then you come in saying, what is this going to do for me today? What am I going to get from this service? Are they going to sing my favorite songs? Are they going to have the coffee ready when I come in the door? Are we going to have muffins? Because it's all about me. Now, we do those things in our culture, in our kingdom culture, because hospitality and graciousness is a part of the kingdom. But that should not be the focus of why we come together. So, when we think about meology, there are a few scriptures that I found really interesting. And I want to read the, out of Genesis chapter 11. And the, what I heard the Spirit say to me was, we build monuments in our own name. And we do. Like, we want to make sure that we are known, that our name is great. I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying if you live in outside the kingdom world, then we live in a world that wants to make people famous. I mean, influencers are now a job. Like, being famous is a job. How many YouTube videos you can make, how many social media posts you can make, how many followers you can make has now been monetized. So it's a career to be an influencer. It's a career for your name to be made known. And people build these careers off of that. But in the kingdom, whose name are we supposed to be make, making known? Jesus. We make him famous. Because we're here to build his kingdom, not build our kingdom. So what I do is not for me. It's not to build a monument. It's not for me to become a saint once I'm died. I've died and everybody looks at all the great things that I did. And then they build a monument or make a medallion with my picture on it. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to build the kingdom of heaven on earth. We are actually New Testament forerunners because we're waiting for the second coming of Christ, right? And so we're actually building a place for him to dwell. So I'm building a place so that he can come back. So that he has something to come, a kingdom. He, Jesus established it, and now he has left, and he left us to help build that kingdom. That's not about me. That's all about him. But it is about my surrender and my willingness to follow. And so in the Bible, there were these group of people that wanted to make themselves famous, wanted to be known. And so I want to read this passage of Scripture in Genesis chapter 11. <clears throat> and it says, At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous. 
and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united, and they all spoke the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. This is why the city was called Babel. Because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. So there's a couple of things about this that I find very interesting. Because, um, you know, we, we've heard this story all of our life. And honestly, if you just look at it at face value, you think, well, my goodness, why would he not want them to be in unity? I mean, unity is the thing we strive for and we actually work for in the kingdom of God, right? But it was their heart, their focus They were a culture of meology. They said, let's build this tower to make ourselves famous so that we'll be well known for what we built, for the empire empire that we built, that we constructed in our own name. And God said, that is not my intention for you because I come to establish a kingdom. I want you to serve me. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And we know, although we don't like to talk about it often, he calls himself a jealous God. He wants no other God before us. That's part of the commandments. But we, over and over and over again, like to put us before him. We do. We struggle with it. Because everything around us tells me I should be important. And you are special. (laughs) And guess what? Sam, you're his favorite, and Maris, you're his favorite, and Katie, you're his favorite, and Daryl, guess what? You're his favorite son, too, right? But he didn't create this world just for us to inhabit it. So, um, I think we can look at the example of the Tower of Babel, and see that God never intended for us to build our own kingdom because he destroyed that. I was talking to Wade this morning, and and, um, like he said, we don't often talk about our messages together. And I said, well, what do you think about the Tower of Babel? And he said, well, he said, I think, and this is is on him if it's not true, so y'all can all talk to him later. But he said, he said, I believe that if you look to the geographical location of where they would have built the Tower of Babel, that to the east or to the west, one of those read backwards from the right, le- right to the left, and the other side reads from the left to the right. But wouldn't that be really interesting if, in fact, that is true, to think that God scattered the people to the east and to the west all over the world And shifted their language. And still today, we do things so differently. But what would happen if we could all come together in unity with the heart of God, right? So, as we think about meology, it is a danger filled. It is. I mean, it's so interesting because because we've been... um, as leadership, been looking back at some of the words that God has spoken over this house, some of the mandates, the assignments on this house. And honestly, 
starting the well was like a new birth in a sense. And when you're a babe, it's hard to understand adult things, mature things. And so you may hear it like, have you ever heard that it's good to read to a child above their understanding? Like that's a good thing that triggers the brain. And so when we homeschooled, a lot of times our curriculum would require that we read books to them that they couldn't fully understand. But because it created this pathway in their brain to advance, to want deeper understanding, to grow in those things, to not just read to them on their level, but to read above their level. And I think that's similar to the way God was with us when we first started the well. Like these words would start to come forth and we would get these words and declarations over the well and we'd be like, okay, I just learned to say that's interesting, or, <laughs> or just like, let's write that down, and we'll come back to it. But now, being almost three years in, January, well, the fall will be three years, but our first service will be January, the anniversary. But now, being three years in, we can reflect on those words, and we can be like, yeah, because we've grown We've grown, you know, when, when you're looking at six people in a garage and God's saying, you're going to do all these things, signs, wonders, and miracles. You're like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> Has anybody ever gotten a word from God like that that seems so large that your mind could not conceive or understand it? But, you know, you don't speak against it, but you just place it in its spot, and then God begins to stir that up again in a different season, in a different time. And so I've, so what we did is we actually crafted a list. Why don't we just go ahead and share, share the list? You want me to share the list? I thought you were going to share the list. Okay. <laughs> so what we did is, um, I guess it's been a couple weeks ago, I, I felt stirred in prayer that we needed to go back to those first words and that because unity is so important that we all need to be on the same page. We need to know what direction we're going. People without a vision perish. And it also says to write it down and make it plain. And so in doing that, we've gone back and looked at some of those things that then seemed like, I mean, they're still God-sized things, don't get me wrong, it seemed like I don't even know how to even comprehend what you're saying to me right now. Like I had no context to think about those things. But now look around at what God is assembling. He's assembling a group of people that want to move together in unity and in covenant together to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's connecting us in such a way that I believe now is the time to release some of these things. And we're going to uh, connect with those. Not only are we going to share them with you this morning, but we've actually made copies, right? We're going to make copies so that you can pick them up and take them with you so that we can begin to pray in unity, in one mind and one accord. Because Amos... 3.3 3 says, you cannot walk together unless you are in accord with each other. 
So we need to be in unity together so that we can walk together. So here's a few of the words that God throws on the list. There are more. This is the bulleted point list that we thought we would share. And share whatever you want. I'm just going to read this list. So um, I'm just going to read it, I guess. Yeah, okay. So here at the well, not only will you ask, but you will receive. Here at the well, not only will you seek, but you will find. Here at the well, not only will I pour out my spirit, but I'll pour it out in overflowing. Here at the well, not only will you drink, but you will never thirst again. Here at the well, not only will I come, but I will dwell. Here at the well, not only will you, not only have you made a place for me, but it's a place I long to be. I will give you dreams with meanings, word with, words with power, steps with impact, and love with a purpose. Gather at the well, great things are happening. Rejection will be traded for acceptance. Sorrow will be traded for joy. Sickness will be traded for health. Confusion will be traded for understanding. Unworthy will be traded for love. And death will be traded for life. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, come on. (laughs) Yes, it is good stuff. It's God stuff. It's God-sized stuff. And he's connecting us to see that accomplished. And the fruit that we see, we, were, we talk about this a lot. And, you know, people will say, uh, well, tell me about the well. Is it growing, you know, and all this stuff. And I always say, you know, it is growing. It may not grow the way you think it's growing, but it is growing. Because I can look at your lives and I can see the growth and the transformation that has taken place in your lives individually. And that you are not the same people, that we are seeing breakthrough. We are seeing the changes in our own life, the transformation, that I'm not the same person that I was a year ago. God is transforming us, right, Tori? (laughs) It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yes, we want to see this building packed and full because we want to share the, the regeneration, the renewing of what is taking place in us with everyone around us. But we cannot discount the growth of us individually. Because what does it mean for people who are lost and broken to come into a place where people are healthy and whole? What the story of Jesus Christ that we have to share with them. That we're not all broken and depressed but that they can come into a place where people are experiencing transformation in their life. And that they can walk up to anybody. I can walk up to Maris and and I can say, Maris, share your testimony. Tell this person what God's done for you. And she can share about her testimony. I can walk up to Sam and and I can say, Sam, would you share with this new person what God has done in your life? Who you were last year and who you are now. That's amazing. It's amazing. And I could do that with almost every one of you in this room. And what does that have to do with the kingdom, kingdomology and meology? It has to do with the fact if we're not growing, then maybe we really do need to reflect on where, what our focus is. And that the kingdom is advancing. And he wants us to advance with it. He wants us to grow and change with it. And there are a few danger fields about meology. And I'm just going to read these to you. 
If your time in the Word is more about you scanning Scripture or the Internet to find Scriptures to support your thinking, instead of you scanning Scripture for your mind to be renewed to God's way of thinking, you may be trapped in the world of meology. If you find yourself in discussions where you need to be right, you might be living in the world of meology. If you spend more time when you are gathered in community picking apart the people around you and thinking about yourself as opposed to being focused on the one who created you, you may be trapped in meology. If you think that you always know best and have to be right, you may suffer from meology. In Romans 9 and in Isaiah 45, it talks about, would you go to the creator who created you and said, you did me wrong? You would not. Would you go to the potter if you were the cup and say, you did not create me correctly? But when we choose to live in a world of meology, that's what we're saying to the creator of the universe, to our designer. When we choose to live in a world of meology, we are saying to him that you are not right, but I am. Anybody from familiar with progressive Christianity? If you are not as a Christian, you should be very aware because it's a trap of the enemy. Because the whole idea is meology. I believe it was probably, and this is Becky philosophy, so dump it when you're done hearing it. But I have to believe that its founders are just broken, hurting people that are looking desperately for answers that they can comprehend and understand in their own thinking. But our creator does not think the way that we do. His thoughts and ways are beyond our thoughts and our ways. So therefore, we cannot expect him to respond to everything the way that we would respond to it. Thank the Lord that he does not respond the way that I respond. Because while I am still on the potter's wheel, being molded and shaped into a vessel of honor to pour out for his kingdom. But there's this process that progressive Christians go through. And it's this process called deconstructing. And this really intrigued me a few years ago. I had the opportunity for a number of years to teach this class called Worldviews. And so we would dive really deep into different worldviews outside of Christianity. And this one really piqued my interest because I didn't understand fully what it was speaking of. But essentially what it is is they take all the ideas that Christianity is built on and they deconstruct those. Now, this is sadly from a generation of people that the church desperately needs to build the kingdom of God. It is attacking our 18 to 35-year-old generation. And there's a real assignment to keep them out of the house of God and to keep them from clearly understanding who God created them to be. And just as Lucas was crying out this morning for the sons and daughters and the prodigals to come in, that's who we're crying out for. And in this region specifically, there's a slew, an army that needs to arise in that generation that this house has a mandate to call out and cry out to. 
but they're so desperately looking for something that outside of their own understanding and constructs of the way they think, they can't see. It's like the enemy has put blinders on them. And if it doesn't make sense to their rational, finite mind, then it has no place. As a denomination, a movement, they want to get rid of Paul altogether. They have no place for him. They don't like what he says. So they read the Word of God, and if they don't like it, they throw it out. Because it's not relevant to today. So if it's not relevant to the way I want to live my life, then I don't have to receive it. But the, the issue is, is that we live in a kingdom as a Christianity, as Christians. And we don't get to pick and choose the parts of Scripture that we like or that we want to embrace. Because the Word of God is true. It is true. Now, are there things that we need to be deconstructing? Yes. Just like Ken said, there are ways that we have learned over the years that are full of lies and legalism and religion. And we seek truth, but we have to find that in the Word of God. We have to find that in the Word of not outside the Word of God. It needs to align with what's there. So there are things, oh, thank the Lord, that have been deconstructed out of my own personal walk with Jesus. And I am grateful for that because it has helped me find freedom. Not freedom to live in sin or to live however I want to because I am a son and daughter of the king. I live in a kingdom realm. But it's not about me. It's not about you. It actually, Scripture says, it's one of them I shared with you, Nathaniel, good luck, poor fella. That in order for me to gain my life, I have to lose my life. In order for me to receive the full measure of who he created me to be, I have to surrender my will, my meology, to the will of my Father, my Creator. Because who am I to say to the Creator, you got it wrong? Who am I to say that? Kingdomology. I'll try to stop stepping on our toes. Kingdomology says you before me. That's not what our culture says. It says I do what I want, when I want, how I want. And if it hurts you, then that's your truth. That's not mine. And my truth can look this way, and your truth can look another way. But that's not truth. I could let Nathaniel preach that message. 
because there is an absolute truth. There is a way. There is a way to freedom. And he has, God has laid that out for us. To take up kingdomology, you before me, and I have to lay down my life for him. And maybe not everybody wants that. And that's really hard because I have this great desire that I struggle with pretty regularly in transparency that I just don't want to leave anybody behind. I don't want to leave a single person behind. I want us to all go together. I'm like, let's get in the car and let's go on this adventure, right? Let's ascend the mountain of the Lord together. Why would you not want to do that? Right? But there are some that will not. And I cannot settle in my spirit yet that that's okay. If I could force you to go, I would. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I, I mean, I just would. And I probably drag people further along than they want to go sometime. So let that be my downfall, okay? <laughs> people are like, she just pushes me too much. <laughs> Maris calls me a soul sucker, so <laughs> it's an inside joke. But if you want me to know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want so much for us to go together into the kingdom realm of all that God has for us. I don't want to leave you behind. Keeps me awake at night, honestly, because I want you to go. But you have to choose to do that. You have to choose him over you. And all the things that you want to do in order for us to go together, all of us. I need a really big conversion van, like really big. I think it was Kathy. Was it Kathy that said she saw in the Spirit us? Um, because one of the words that was spoken is about ascending. We saw a vision. We've seen the vision. We've released the word a number of times about ascending the mountain of the Lord, and God wants us to ascend. He really, really does. And, you know, there's this theory that sometimes we stumble along the way, and we do. We stumble along the way, and we reach over, and we lift each other up, and we dust each other off, and we wrap a rope around you because that's what hikers do, right? If they're, well, they, I don't know if they do that anymore, but they used to. I think they found out that they're all going to go if they do that now. <laughs> but So I think it's take care of yourself, meology. If you're climbing Mount Everest, don't expect them to wrap a rope around you. But in the kingdom of God, no greater love than a man to lay down his life for another. So I may just wrap a rope around your waist and drag you a little while until I'll see if you'll get up on your feet. Because I want us to go together. That's what we want. That's what the leadership of this house wants. We don't want to leave anybody behind. Nobody. Kingdomology is surrender. It's surrender. I surrender. 
right? All. And there are mindsets and ways that I had of thinking that I had to surrender. Because when I went to the Word of God, it didn't line up. In my meology thinking, I wanted it to. Man, I wanted it to. I wanted it to line up with the Word of God. Has anybody ever had that struggle? Where he tears down that neg- those wrong thinking? Those wrong ways of thinking and seeing things? And you go to the Word of God and you're like, oh my goodness. It says that. I've got to surrender that way of thinking. What seems right to a man is not always right to God. In Revelation 1, 5, verse 5 and 6, it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, that's, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We've been made kings and priests. That our first identity is rooted in son and daughtership. Because that's what he's called us, created us to be sons and daughters. He created us to rule and reign as kings and priests in a kingdom. In a kingdom where there is a dictator, (laughs) for lack of a better word, there are better words, but it is. One in charge. So when I question whether or not I should or shouldn't, then I can go to him. I don't have to ask a plethora of thoughts and ideas because I'm a part of a kingdom, not a meology. I don't have to think just about the way Becky would think about it in my limited scope and understanding. And honestly, sometimes things, things look like a wreck. Anybody ever been, that, been there? It looks like, like a hurricane done come through and demolished every single thing all around you. And you're like, I need to start figuring this out. I'm on, anybody ever done that? I mean, I want to do that. And he says like he did to Habakkuk. Don't you know? I'm doing things that you can only fathom. I'm working this. I have something new that your mind cannot even conceive. If you'll trust me. If you'll trust me. Because he's faithful and he's good. And what we see in the natural may not be what's happening in the spirit. And while I may be standing over here watching and praying, and it looks like to me that everything is falling apart. He reminds me that he's working, even when I can't see it. And when it feels like there are fires all around, and it feels like it's all about to be destroyed, he reminds me that he's the potter, and I'm the clay, 
and that he's working things for my good. And that he's orchestrating it in such a way that if I'll stay faithful and I'll trust him, that maybe there are some things that need to fall away. And there are some things that need to be destroyed and let go of in order for us to become what he created us to become. So that we can take up his kingdom. You know, one of the biggest fights is not for us with other people, but it's our, our own ideas and our own ways of thinking and being. Our meology stands in our way of our surrender. One of the best things that we can do is surround ourselves with people that we will allow to speak truth into us and then take that to the Father in love. Don't be speaking truth to somebody you don't love and are not in relationship with. Don't do it. You're like, well, I need to tell them, well, maybe you're not the right vessel. You better pray for somebody else to come along and speak that word. <sighs> Check your heart before you try to check somebody else's. Let me tell you who else you are. I got to tear you down, build you up. That's you know, tear you down, let's build you up. First Peter 2 9. <laughs> Just letting all my cats out of the back today. <laughs> but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Look, I get this ain't easy to swallow, the fact that he has created you a king and a priest, and that you are a son and a daughter. You got so many titles <laughs> in the kingdom of God. But the one that we want to hang on to the most is slave. We want to stay the slave. Man, somebody get up and preach, preach a message about how you're dying in your sin and, you know, and all that stuff. And people will respond like wildfire, like bees to honey. But someone to stand up and tell you that you are created in the image of God and he's got greater purpose and destiny on the inside of you. You would rather for someone to tell you how bad you are than to tell you how free you are. That's twisted because we don't want to receive the gift of salvation that tells us that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we are seated in heavenly places. If we catch that, ascending the mountain won't even be an issue. We won't need a rope to tie it around you because we'll all be ready to go. but I don't want to tell you how broken you are. We know how broken we are. The world tells us that. It keeps, and it will keep us broken because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And, you know, and really that thinking is meology because you're so focused on you that you can't see the Father. You can't see the kingdom that you're a part of. And that's what he wants for you. He wants for you to live in his kingdom. 
In Matthew 16, 24 through 26, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it for a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We have to die to these old ways of thinking. We have to allow some deconstruction in a good way to take place. It's the renewing of the mind. DPB talked about it last week so well. We have to take those thoughts captive, those lies, those things that are not true about who God created us to be and where he wants us to rule and reign from and what that looks like. And that he wants us to be a part of his kingdom. But we've got to die to self. And that looks a multitude of different ways for us. And one of them is the fact that we won't receive the gift of freedom and salvation. Because we don't think that we deserve it. But guess what? Jesus made us worthy to receive it. Those are old ways of thinking and religious thinking that tells you that you have to stay broken all the time. Now, does he break us? Yes. Is it necessary and needed? It sure is. But he's good to put us back together and renew us and to break off the other things, the who we were for who he's created us to be. So that then we can live and function and rule and reign in the kingdom. When we catch this, then we can move to the next step where he's given us access for a purpose. We are a part of his kingdom for a reason. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.